Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and I am currently bringing this episode to you from Cholula, Mexico. I flew in this morning at uh, four in the morning, and I was in London yesterday, and this episode was filmed in Paris. So we're staying on brand. We're staying in the travel space. Uh, I'm here for the Polyglot Conference, which is really exciting. There is a multilingual portion of this video because my guest on today's episode is one of my dearest friends, one of my inspirations when it comes to creative projects and just visuals and storytelling. And you might already know him because he's pretty huge on the internet. His name is Nathaniel Drew and he has over a million subscribers on his YouTube channel. He has a second channel as well called No Backup Plan where we actually filmed a financial conversation. So I will link that in the show notes and I'll link all of his amazing videos in the show notes. But really this conversation was full of banter. It was filmed in person. We were in Paris together. The way I would describe Nathaniel is that he radiates passion and he has this incredible talent for not only admiring beauty appreciating it but framing it in videos with his reflections on life for people around the world to consume and be inspired by like this guy you can't make his brain up and i'm just honored to be his friend and it's also a friendship that was stemmed from the internet. We talk about the sacrifice that it took him to create his career. We also dig into the fact that, you know, when you're an other, when you're somebody that doesn't quite fit in, you could turn that quote unquote weakness into your strength. And we also talk about the behind the scenes of being a content creator that not many people talk about. You're gonna wanna take notes for this one. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe, not your average Joe. So you're rolling audio, yeah? Yeah. This feels so funny that I have a microphone and you don't. I know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I really, I'm traveling. Listen, people don't realize I'm traveling with a studio, like a podcasting studio. Yeah, that's true. But an incomplete one. Completely. Oh, burn. It's a a solo podcast with guests that are occasionally drinking soda water. Do you like how the vibe completely changed? We were like, yeah, be financially responsible. And now we're a mess. This is my kind of energy when recording. We recorded something great on Nathaniel's second channel. Go check it out, uh, like and subscribe and hit the bell icon. So yes, exactly. As you could tell, this guy's a content creator through and through. And today's episode, I don't record many in-person episodes. I love them though, because the energy is just different. And we've been good friends for three years now. We're goofing, I'm goofing around. Man, I shouldn't even start, I shouldn't come out the gates like this. You You should, no, we're gonna do it. Okay, so welcome to my podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure. I can't believe we haven't properly recorded a conversation like this before because I think all of our real life conversations are amazing and they go in so many different directions and I think we feed off of each other's energy. Totally. We speak multiple languages together. Oh yeah. You know, this is the kind of friendship which is very rare and I do want to circle back to the very beginning of our friendship. I had reached out to you maybe three years ago when I was initially going to launch my podcast and I said, 
I would love to have you on as a guest to talk about language learning because yeah. I consider you someone like really big because you had just published your Whoa, video. So funny. This is actually the beginning of when you started blowing up on YouTube for your I learned. What was the video? I learned Italian I learned, in seven days. Yeah, exactly. And I was I was being a little bit of a provocateur, right? Because I mean, obviously, anybody with three brain cells knows you can't learn an entire language in seven days. But I really wanted to challenge people's perception of language learning because I think, you know, the experience that so many people have in school is miserable. You know, you're you're spending years and years and years. You're kind of shamed for the mistakes that you make. You feel embarrassed it's about bad. it. And then at the end of like whatever six, eight, ten years of studying a language, you do not have the confidence to go speak it and you can't even use what you learned. You and know? you don't even like it, honestly. They kind of exactly. like wipe the fun and love out of Almost. language learning in school. So It's so removed from the real life application. And I wanted to say, no. Actually, within a very short period of time, if you dive headfirst in, you can actually surprise yourself with the amount of things that you can learn. And uh, and then I did it again with Portuguese. And I was in that video. Yeah. And that, that was a stressful time because you you do many things, right? We're talking yeah. about language learning. We're talking about video creation. We're going to talk about being an entrepreneur. But yes, I was in that video. Great video. He did a really great job in seven days was having conversations with not only Brazilian Portuguese speakers. I was the test for Brazilian Portuguese, yeah. but Portugal Portuguese, which yeah. I can barely understand people from Portugal. Yeah. And I was, I, you saw, I was... I was putting myself under a lot of pressure because I wanted to I wanted to get some pretty good results after the the end of about a, a week. But the idea is that you shouldn't fear making mistakes. You got to throw yourself out there and you know dive in. Yeah. So and then after that, it's it's cool. It's like my relationship with Portugal. I guess to a lesser extent Brazil because I have yet to properly go and spend time there. When you go, you're never coming back. I'm gonna tell you. I that. think I'm gonna definitely be super connected, but just in general with the culture too, like the music. I don't know the people that I've met using the language as well. The experiences that, that opens up for you. Like I think that's fantastic. Então, ainda fala português? Posso, sim, sim. Não tô, não não estou praticando tanto neste momento. Mas uh, cada vez que uh, volto para Portugal, uhum. falo com as pessoas. Mas agora é um pouco com, uh, complicado, porque uh, tem uma mistura uhum. de sotaque. Não, não, não... Agora tá com sotaque mais português do que brasileiro. Estava tentando ter o sotaque mais brasileiro. brasileiro, mas tem, posso dizer, vários sotaques brasileiros. Então, é difícil. Não, é mas difícil. é tão cool. <risos> okay, Não, mas não, on doit parler français. Oui, 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 parce qu'on est à Paris. Oui, c'est plus facile. Là, Et je, je crois pense... que... Est-ce que tu penses que le français, c'est la, la langue la plus facile pour toi, après, genre après l'anglais et espagnol? Ok, c'est intéressant en fait que tu me poses cette question en français parce que, et peut-être ça se voit aussi, parce que je viens de parler un peu de portugais et j'ai un peu plus de... C'est un de, peu de... Il y a un blocage. Voilà, je, je peux le parler, tu vois, mais j'ai un peu plus peur parce que j'ai moins l'habitude. Mais le français, ça est devenu ouais, beaucoup plus facile pour moi parce que je l'utilise presque tous, tous les, les jours. jours quoi. Tous les jours. Ouais. Et t'as des amis français ici Ouais des, des, ouais, des amis français, mais Et aussi dans des interactions. Et il faut que tu interacts. fasses tous les, les choses genre quotidiennes ouais, pour exact. la maison les travaux, tout exact, ça. Exact. Moi, non. Mais moi, je pense que si j'avais l'opportunité de passer un ou deux mois au, au Brésil, j'ai déjà la base, tu vois. Un temps, t'as la possibilité de parler, parler mais je pense que conversa en italien. Encore parler italien. Si. Je suis resté un peu surpris du fait que je peux encore parler l'italien quand je suis retourné. Si, certes, tu dois prendre un peu de temps pour 
ricordare di ricordare tutto. quello che come dire quello ma ah mi manchi mi manca mi manchi what mi, mi manchi. manchi you also I, I also Manco. miss you <laughs> I did miss you we haven't seen each other in like nine months no That's ma true. mi manca parlare italiano perché mi sento un po' più uh, divertente yeah. non so un po' più femminile yeah. fi- femminile penso che che sia sì, sì, adesso il mio italiano sta una merda. No, stai parlando benissimo. No, ma dai, e l'espagnol? También, eso también es difícil. Y, wow, there's a lot of layers to all of this stuff. So Pero en español, tu madre... Ambos padres hablan español. Pero no... Pero el problema con español es que tengo más, no sé, creo que todo está en mi cabeza, pero tengo más ese sentimiento de presión porque no quiero hablarlo mal, no quiero hacer porque errores. Porque eres familia, argentino. Eh, o digamos que mi familia es de Argentina, entonces no, te, no tengo excusas. Okay, sorry, there are no subtitles, but here are my audio subtitles. So we started the conversation off in Portuguese talking about how his accent has become more Portuguese, as in from Portugal versus Brazilian, and how he feels a little iffy about his Portuguese level, which I think is silly because it's amazing. Then we switched to French, and I asked him if French was his easiest language after English, given the fact he lives in Paris and his life, his daily life, operates mostly in French. He said yes. He has French friends. He does his life in French, so that's cool. And then we switched to Italian, which I'm pretty rusty in right now, but he was saying how shocked he is that he still speaks Italian. And then I said that I miss speaking Italian, but actually I said I missed him. Both are accurate. And then we switched to Spanish, where he admitted that he has no excuses to be bad at Spanish because both of his parents are Spanish speaking and therefore he doesn't want to be bad at Spanish. Spanish, but it's it's rough if it's not in your daily life. I think the fact is like it needs to be baked into your lifestyle. Anyways, this is not a language conversation, so I'm glad that oh, we just not. spent I think it's a part one. Okay, so part one is like dive in, right? What I think is cool about us is that this is the entry point to our friendship. Yeah. I emailed you yeah. and then you responded. You were like, hey, I don't consider myself an expert in this field, which I think is which bullshit. I don't. But then you were like, but I really want more creative friends. Are you down to hop on a call? And I was like, yeah, I'm shooting a show right now and I'm in Japan. The time zone is yeah. crazy, but I'm off on Sunday. Oh, and this is yes. how we became friends. And we talked for like a long ass like, time. Like, like I think three yes, hours. Yes. And it was just like, wow, how cool is it that if you just respond to an email, pivot the conversation, suggest a FaceTime call that you could be on a call and then it turns into a three year friendship. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then like, and then when we met in person, sparks flew and it was just like, it, you already get a vibe with somebody virtually, but I think even meeting in person is just like, you get a, another dimension, another layer. And it's really cool. And it, it's, it's been really cool to see, like, we did a lot of FaceTime calls during lockdowns and whatnot. So many. I was on the phone like 24-7 during lockdown. And those people who I kept in touch with have become really close. Like they, they became my closest friends. Yeah, you friend. were wasting no time. You were just like, all right, let's keep these, let's keep these relationships going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, it's been cool to now. So we've hung out several times now. or I guess It's like the third time, yes, fourth yes. time in person. Right, so multiple times in, in New York. And now you're here in Paris. And, and it feels good. I think that 
I want to talk about your journey in like friendships and that kind of self-consciousness that I know because you've expressed it that you had growing up and now that it's completely f- melted away. So what happened? What was the change? Like growing up feeling isolated and like the artistic guy who was not really quite the the jock or the yeah. pop kid to now like living fully in your space and your energy, having all of these amazing people in your life. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. I think first of all, I mean, it's a it's a confluence of different things. I feel like one, I, I really desired it, so I was like energetically putting that out there. Like, I really want to meet cool people. I was saying it out loud. I was like, I'm looking for this kind of thing, and I meant it. But I also think, I mean, this is just me, and I'm not saying this has to be everybody. But I I I didn't waste any time being like, okay, I want to go out and make things and share them. And for me, I guess the platform that has kind of treated me the most kindly has been YouTube. And so I've made a lot of stuff on there and people have seen it. And that has led to other people being like, oh, I like what you do. And I'm like, I like what you do, you know? And that's a really easy, natural, organic way to start. In the beginning, it's, it's like a random connection with somebody. And then it kind of starts to snowball because you're like, well, I know these other cool people, you know? Um, and it takes a while. And I also think that moving around was hard and being like, okay, I'm gonna stay put. I'm gonna go on trips, but I'm gonna keep coming back to this one place, Paris, where a lot of people pass through, where a lot of cool people live. And that helps too, you know? But these things take time. And I think building friendships and a sense of community, it's like, I've been, I, I've seen it as like a project, you know? And I have committed definitely the last years of my life, three, three years I'd say, to really being like, this is one of my top priorities, honestly. And it used to not be. And look at me today, right? Like we're hanging out, we go get lunch and there's other people in town right now as well. I come here, there's like a guy in his apartment. I'm like, uh, yeah. there's like so many people in your life. He helped me take up a box of bowls that I just got. So you make friends so they can help you do yeah. your errands for oh. your nice apartment <laughs> in Paris. Exactly. What's important about that, I think, is that I'm making time. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take it. 30 minutes or an hour to sit down and chat with you. you Which is considering your workload is really impressive. And we both have like wild social lives. But right before we started recording this, I was typing so fast and so focused. He made fun of me saying I was clearly not typing anything real. It sounded like you were fake typing. Why? Because you're like... Because I'm like hyper focused when I'm working and I'm like always in solitude. But if I'm with people, I'm with people and similar. You are the same where it's like you have these really social and abundant times, but you also need that time to focus because you have so many projects that you have on your plate. But you consider your social life one of those projects. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. cool. And and I think also what I saw during the lockdowns and I spent the first one and a lot of the second one alone, so it's like a lot of time alone, was that lacking a social life completely sapped me of the energy and motivation to work on work. Like, I was just like, what's the fucking... Oh, so can I... Yeah, yeah, curse? of course. Be free. Sois libre. <laughs> like, what is the effing point of doing this, right? Like, why am I busting my ass to do this? That's so fascinating because I had yeah. the same feeling. That's why in Connecticut, feeling of emptiness. I was so unwell and I didn't understand why because I had all of the tools and resources. I built my dream office. I had this like massive bookshelf yeah. with all the books and all my journals. Like, I really created this cozy safe haven, but I was in that office with a top tech gear, the best ergonomic chair, yeah. and I couldn't get any work done. Yeah. And when I analyzed myself and like my needs, I realized I wasn't in a place with energy. I wasn't in a place to have social exchanges, to feel yeah. motivated. And this is when I was like, okay, I need a base 
basically plant the next seeds. And I decided to go to London, do film school, roll myself in situations to be around creative people because that's yeah. such a big part of the of a creative life and of entrepreneurship and of just like self investing so it's ironic because you could be in the best situation if you yeah. don't have people around you you're actually likely in the worst situation yeah definitely and and I th it has a lot to do with the stage of life that you're in but don't you think at every stage of life people need a community to feel energized sure i think there's might be a good chance that later on in life i'm gonna want solitude a little bit more solitude like buy or... a house on the top of a hill to nobody <laughs> i don't know if it'll get to that point but i think that right now i'm like okay I'm down to have a lot of different connections and see where that goes. But I, I have an introverted tendency that comes out and is like, okay, that's a lot and I need some alone time. And I could see that developing more as I get older and I'm just more interested in just a few really strong, really deep connections and, and then really maybe enjoying the rest of my time alone. I don't know. I can't predict. Right, right, I, I right. could see that happening. But especially right now. I mean, it was very abnormal to be 22 and locked up in my apartment. Not being free to like I want to be going on dates and I want to yeah, be yeah. like meeting people and having fun conversations. And I get a high off of that. So so now you're doing all of the said activities, which we love. Yeah, but, but again, what is interesting, and that's, that's why I'm saying this is a bouncing act, is I overcorrected in the other direction and I went like... Okay, I'm gonna do a ton of socializing and hanging out with people and conversations and dates. And, and then it like the pendulum swings too far yeah. to one side, and, and then I you have to balance. Yeah, I feel I feel drained when I'm doing too much of that. Mm -hmm. I need to just trim the fat on the social just life. Just be alone in my life, in my apartment, <laughs> and let me just be in my thoughts. You know, totally. Give me a day or two of that, and then I'll be able to regroup and go out into the world. Go out into the world again, yeah, exactly. Social butterfly style. Yeah. So, but you're similar. I'm very similar. And in fact, I just went through that in London. Anytime you move to a new place, especially when you're trying to lay down roots, it is very part of that journey to like go out, 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 meet, meet, meet people, go out and go on dates and whatever. Yeah. And I, I had a social calendar so filled that you couldn't book me until like three weeks out. Like if you wanted to hang out with me, there were no casual hangouts. Oh, not very Brazilian of you. No, but also London, everything you need a reservation for that. So it's annoying. Like you have to plan your life in advance to the point where it's like, have you made dinner reservations for two weeks from now? Really annoying. Really annoying. But it was nice because I was able to like go out, see the city. But then after maybe like two months of that, I was like, okay, ça suffit, genre, I'm done. I need to block out days for myself. And now, as I'm here in Paris, kind of reflecting on London, the, the four months I just spent there, I'm going back. I'm just, yeah, I think I have my three friends that I want to invest time in. Yeah. And like everybody else, not really, it's not essential. Better that way, right? Yeah. I mean, there's periods of expansion because how are you able to meet new people if you don't give them a chance, you know? Right. And I meet people, but it's like, how many times do you need to see those people, right? It's right. like, my friend calls them tertiary friends. Yeah, there's that's like great. first primary, secondary, and tertiary. Yeah, there are a lot more tertiaries than than primaries. I guess is the point. Okay, but this is again not even the topic that I wanted to talk about. But, but it's interesting because I think like you do have to balance even that because I get drained from too many tertiary interactions where it's like, <laughs> how was that wedding you went to a couple months ago or whatever? Right. You know, like I don't it drains me. And, so, and then you can't really focus on work and your projects and life totally. and the people you do want to spend time with. But at with. the same time, I think they've done studies, right, that show you that, you know, it's not your close friend group, more like friends of friends or whatever that can lead you to new opportunities. It is. It's true. 
Wow. So then you do have to give secondary and tertiary friends a chance. You do. You do. I'm not saying it's not worth it. All I'm saying is I have to battle myself sometimes because I don't know. I think I get worn down from that sometimes, you know? It is pretty exhausting. Idle small talk or you don't have a shared point of passion or you haven't identified like a connecting point yet. Mm -hmm. You're like, just what like, are we doing here? What What's are, the point? What am I saying? Yeah, exactly. What is, what is this all for? After the break, we talk about what actually matters. And in the meantime, this is a shameless promo for Joe Club because it's growing and we're feeling good, guys. I am launching four journaling sessions a month this next month. So in November, we're gonna have two themed events and two BYOP for the price that you would normally only get two sessions. I've trained facilitators. Okay, here's some testimonials. I sent out a survey because I wanna make sure that I'm building something cool. I did not ask anybody to say these beautiful things, but this is just a little teaser of what you're gonna get in the Joe Club membership. Discovering Joe Club has reignited my fire for writing. The timing was divine as I'm currently on a leave from work as a result of burnout. I especially love the monthly calls. The community of members create a warm, safe space to openly share, and the learning and tribe vibe have been integral to my wellness journey and recovery. Recovery. <laughs> Guys, what? Okay, I'll do it two more. Somebody else says, it's exciting to finally find individuals that love to journal, are super self-aware, and ready to be willingly vulnerable. Many people shy away from these discussions, so I'm thrilled to finally find individuals that I can connect with on this specific level. We get deep. Y'all know we get deep. And last one, Joe Club has changed my overall mental health because listening to others' opinions helps me see things in a different perspective. It's such a lovely community. If you would like to join Joe Club, I'm including a special promo code just for the Not Your Average Joe podcast listeners for a discount on the yearly membership. And the reason why I'm talking about yearly membership is because a wellness journey does not happen in a month and I'm investing in you for a year as you would invest in Joe Club. So click in the show notes to find out more and I can't wait to see you at a live journaling session. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So on the subject of what it's all for, <laughs> I really want to talk about your crazy career because it's been quite a journey to to hear about. Like, obviously, I only became your friend after things had grown. Yeah. They have grown so much more since then. So it's been really cool to see the, you know, latter half of, of the journey. Yeah. But I really want you to talk about your experience in Mexico City. What was your mental state? What was your financial state? Because you took a huge risk, never went to university. Yeah. Went right into working on productions, on sets, yeah. learned camera, learned yeah. filmmaking, and then you... That was before Mexico, actually. 
That was before, yeah, but you learned these skills before Mexico right. and then you decided that you were going to take a leap and live in Mexico City right. and dive into creating where you were losing subscribers on your YouTube channel. No yeah. one cared. And yet you continued to make amazing cinematic videos that would take people months to make and you were pumping them out like twice a week at times? Yeah, I was in the beginning twice a week and then I had to go down to once a week because so, I was just like... I really want to talk about the sacrifice that it took for you to go from zero subscribers to one million because a lot of people might not understand what the behind the scenes yeah. looks like and knowing your story it is remarkable and like definitely not everybody's first second or third choice of how to spend so much time in their life yeah i know well it was a windy journey i remember casey and i started talking about how like the journey is just you know you think it's a to b and it's not it's like a to like d e g z and then to b you know and that's exactly what it was i started my youtube channel in 2015 and i made a bunch of crappy videos as i was learning i didn't have any clue what i was doing and i did that for like a year and a half or two years I was doing weekly uploads, sometimes twice a week, and then I stopped because I kind of got burned out from it. And then I sort of, after a while, took a look, hard look in the mirror. This is like 2017 now, so we're two years in. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a little bit of a break and I'm gonna work on getting better at this. I wanna become a good filmmaker. So I started working in the film industry as a freelancer and I worked every possible job. I started as a PA, you know, I, I did, I was a first AC, so I was pulling focus. Um, I was a DIT, which is a digital imaging technician. Tech guy. I, so how many great skills did you learn? I mean, you learned everything. I mean, I got to play with different cameras and I got to see different dynamics and I could see how people made things look cinematic, right? And I was working as an editor, which actually the editing was how I kind of got my foot in the door a little bit. I was like, hey, by the way, I can edit this for you if you want, or I can assist and edit or whatever, just anything, just let me be in the room. And that way I was able, first of all, make money because on YouTube I wasn't making any money at all and save money. And that was really important because I, after a while of that in late 2018, after busting my ass for like a year and a half, I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop doing this and I'm gonna live on these savings and I'm gonna go to Mexico and I'm gonna make this official. And I think moving to a foreign country to do this really made it official. And over the course of those first, like we're talking three and a half years, cause I had begun to post again a bit on YouTube. I'd had two videos blow up, a few hundred thousand views in French though. So I, got, I accrued 30,000 subscribers, but French speaking subscribers. And when I came back, I was like, you know what? Actually, I think I want to do things in English because it's an international language and I do like making stuff in other languages, but I think English can reach more people. So I was posting videos in English and every single time I'd post because I had French subscribers, I was losing subscribers and the algorithm was like, okay, your stuff is crap, you know? And I was getting like 400 views on a video. Which is so unmotivating because your stuff began to be higher quality. So I took it as a challenge. I was like, okay, that's not going to blow up. Take this, you know, and I was making the next thing. I was like, I wanted to be so good that people saw it and they're like, this has 90 views. How is that possible right now? You know? Because you now you had invested in gear, you were invested in storytelling. Yeah. Like the quality of the videos were more or less the same quality you still post. Well, I correct? took everything that I learned while I was working in the film industry and making this, you know, I was applying that and trying to make these little films. And honestly, I've continued to learn. It's like by making things, and now I feel like the quality, I keep trying to raise the quality, but 
That was an intense period for sure. How long did it last that you were posting your heart out and no one cared? It was like six months because- <gasps> That's a long time. It's a long time. time, it was a lot of videos. Yeah, so I started again in October of 2018 and it wasn't until like March, April of 2019 that it blew up and then it blew up hard. Cause then it was a showering down of all of the amazing content you had made. It was just like a trail of breadcrumbs of I mean, amazing yeah. videos. They triggered each other. So I had like six videos go viral. In a week. Same month, yeah. I got 165,000 subscribers in one month. It was unbelievable. I was like, really? It would have been nice if this had kind of just <laughs> grown burn. gradually. Yeah. And that's actually less stressful and nicer. And I don't recommend, but I didn't really, I couldn't control it. I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna throw the whole kitchen sink at this yeah. right now. And um, Which is so crazy because we've talked a lot about delayed gratification. We talked, we talk about this all the time on the episode we just did for your channel, for yeah. your second channel, the concept of doing it for the long run regardless. It's gonna blow up eventually, but it's like most people give up halfway because it's so hard to yeah. keep going when you know you're putting all of your blood, sweat, tears, your, your money is bleeding. Yeah, I was Your savings are depleted and you're alone. Like so much of this was spent doing this alone, correct? Like you didn't have totally. a social life. You didn't have a romantic yeah. life. Well, that's kind of what, that was what contributed to the success, I think, in a sense, because I didn't, I wasn't doing anything else. I mean, I really was not doing anything else. Which is, so talk me through your day. You would wake up in the morning. My day was literally, first of all, I've always had an aversion to meetings. So my day was wake up. At the time I was doing a lot of running. So I would go on a run, eat something, you know, have coffee. And then the rest of the day was make videos, you know, like, and it was, or I guess respond to emails or just like do the business side of things. But it was morning to night. And what I, time would you stop working? I enjoyed it. Um, I actually have distinct memories, especially because I was trying to post every like Saturday. So I, I have distinct memories of being up until one or 2 a.m. on Friday night, not doing, not going to any parties. I could hear the parties in the other apartments and whatnot. But I was up until then trying to get it done so that it would be posted at 6 a.m. the following morning or whatever. But you know, like this is a part of most successful people's journeys. Like in my, in my career, I, I, would sp I would pull all-nighters. Like I would really work. It's kind of unhealthy. It's super unhealthy because we were doing at the time of like the prime of the Damon and Joe era, we were doing three videos a week. Yeah. I would post, it would basically be like we'd alternate editing days, but yeah. I didn't want to sacrifice my life. So what, what would happen is like I would go out all day long enjoying my life and then my friends would go to sleep and I would start working at like eight wow. and I would edit until seven in the morning. This is not- So you didn't sleep? So I, I would sleep from like when the video was posted 9 a.m. I would sleep from nine until two in the afternoon and then I would see my friends again, live wow. a day and then I would, yeah. Well, I was only able to handle the stress, I think, of what I was doing because I was sleeping because it was just like well, yeah. so intense. You're like, I need my beauty sleep. I do need my beauty sleep. I, that's one thing I can never, ever give up because I'm not functional without sleep. I don't know how you do it. But yeah, it was an important phase and I learned a lot. And I still work my ass off. I, I work through most weekends and I take time. I, I took a couple weeks off this summer and that was new and that was cool. Mm -hmm. And I want to do another little bit of time off in December for the holidays like a normal person. But I, I still work my ass off and I enjoy it. But it's just like... It'll never be like that again, I don't think. How wild is it that it worked out? I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised that it did, but like when you were in it, you were doubting a lot. So what kept you going? That you didn't have a backup plan? Well, it was more like I, um, yeah, I didn't have a backup plan. Which is the name of your second channel. Totally. I, I really believe in that. I had no backup plan. And I also, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm going to give it a shot. You know this about me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not going to live my life in a way where I go, hmm, what if, you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. 
I, I have to. And so whatever, if I get rejected or if it doesn't work out or it's okay, it's, it's not as bad as that wondering of what if, you know? So yeah, I don't know. It wasn't super rational, I suppose. But at the same time, when you're that age, I was 21, you have a ton of energy, very little responsibility and nothing no to risk. lose. So very little risk. I was taking a big risk, but really it's low risk because I don't have, I didn't have a family. I didn't have people dependent on me. So I can do ridiculous, unhealthy stuff for a short period of time to just bust the door open. Mm -hmm. And that has, and literally since then, I've been riding the momentum. And, and the questions have changed, right? Like, okay, I wanna make my work even more meaningful to me mm -hmm. and I wanted to change direction. And now it's not so much about productivity and self-improvement, but it's a little bit more reflections on life and culture and whatnot. But, you know, I think that you, you have to do what it takes to build a bit of momentum and then keep that fire going. It's a lot easier once you have it. You of course. I mean? And it's really hard when you lose and you have to start up again. And you've had that. Yeah, we've had that. We've had discussions about that. I definitely had a more extreme version of that, like jumping, like basically jumping from the plane, no parachute, just being like, let's see what happens yeah. and of course because of like just genu genuine good intent in the world opportunities presented themselves to me yeah. but i i do love the idea that it is like this spiky journey because it keeps it interesting but it, there are like low lows that i don't think many people talk about i don't think many content creators talk about yeah. or entrepreneurs or celebrities talk about like when you yeah. fall from that momentum and you have to find this energy to bring yourself together and, and like bring everything up again. Yeah. Cause when you have things to lose, it's way more daunting. Totally. I mean, yeah, the lows for me, just to be concrete about this, lows to me were actually before this going for it, I think the first low was jealousy or like, wow, there's all these people doing this stuff out there and I have no idea how to make it work. And I just so desperately want that. So that was actually a low self-inflicted psychological. Another low was the doubts when I was going for and I was putting all the chips in the center of the table, you know? And you're like, am I even going to win this game? Am I going to win this game? I'm putting so much into this and it's not working out. There was like a sense of dread because I was like, this is insane. I mean, it's, it, it is psychologically painful to think about putting so many hours into something and it doesn't bear fruit in, numerically, right? Because mm -hmm. I was, I was enjoying myself and growing so much. So in that sense, there was no way to lose, but that was also psychological. Mm -hmm. And then later burnout, I think like, it was like, I don't want to continue this rhythm. I don't want to work in this unhealthy way anymore. I need help. I want a social life. I want to, I want to enjoy my life. So also self-inflicted. So in a sense, I've always been my biggest obstacle. Now I think that maybe I'm not considering a low point, but it's the biggest challenge right now is all right. Now I need to unlearn some of the behavior that got me here. That kind of frenetic, mm -hmm we're gonna throw everything at this, you know, and I'm gonna juggle 18 projects at once. I, I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Cause I need to be really fully focused on each individual thing I'm doing because I wanna raise the quality even more. And I think that's the next stage. And the, and the challenge there is that's scary because there's a comfort now in of the being book frenetic. that I've always had. Yeah. Cause you know that if you are a frantic, intense person that produces all of these things Pumping all the time, the all and... the projects, you know that that yields good things what you don't know yet is what's going to happen if you hyper focus on one totally. thing but your instincts are telling you yeah. that's where you need to go absolutely I'm, I'm feeling very called very strongly called towards that and i feel that 
I'm gonna have that question of what if, if I don't do this? So I have mm. to make this shift in gears. So then one, okay, so he sent me a photo of his journal entry because it was his birthday recently. And I was yeah. like, you better journal. And one yes. of- That's thanks to you, honestly. Really? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I don't journal as like uh, manically as I used to, you know, but it's always good, especially in important moments. It's good to sit down and write. And I think uh, it's powerful. So one of the lines that I pulled from the page you sent me, you said, huh. I, I remember this. Research. Well, no, I mean, Look I just remember. Th- I like, I, this is, you're my friend. I remember these things. Oh. You said, you wrote in your journal. Stop. I'm flattered. It's true. I'm not even letting you talk. Damn it. <laughs> so what you said, if I'm not mistaken, I'm paraphrasing, you were like, you know, I'm trying to unlearn being so frantic because that's got me to where I am, but it's not going to get me to where I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Which I think is such an interesting concept, yeah. like that, that it's true, you get stuck in your habits. And even when, when it's a successful conversation, like even yeah. when it yields good things and you're quote unquote successful, it's not necessarily the best step forward to get to your next level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just say this. I've been doing this long enough now. So we're talking, I mean, if I started my YouTube channel in 2015, this is year like eight of this, right? Of intensely making very high quality, very well edited. Appreciate that. Truly short films very often and a second channel and doing all the things like merch and whatever courses. And like, it's not, this is not like you have 12 full-time jobs, right? This is lifestyle. I'm always trying to push for better because I'm obsessed with, I I really believe in quality over quantity. Maybe quantity in the beginning when you're getting started and you just need to iterate a lot, but then quality and then quality and then quality and quality, right? I just have been noticing, I've been doing this for a long time. I know myself well enough now to know that I am not doing the best possible work I can. There's better that I can unlock, but only if I set up the right conditions and knock it off with doing all this juggling. Because when you're shifting focus from task to task to task to task, and you do this a lot, and I don't know how you do it. Well, I'm not, I also feel the same thing. I feel like the quality of the things I produce are not anywhere near what they could be because I'm juggling so many projects. Yeah. I don't love it either. And it's almost like you have to pick and choose. You have to pick and choose. Do I want to be in multiple places or do I want to be in one place and be really good in that one place? Yeah. And I, I don't have the answer. I feel similar to you where I do want to lean into like one or two main veins yeah. of what I do and have everything else work on its own, creating systems where things can live on autopilot. Because yeah. I, I know that what you put your heart into, that's what's going to grow. Yeah. It's just, it's not even, that's scientific basically. Yeah, absolutely. But it's scary because I felt a sort of sense of comfort and security and being like, okay, well that didn't work out, well on to the next one and it's next week or whatever. But I think that truly great things require time. Truly great work is not, you don't shit it out. You know what I mean? Michelangelo took three years to do David, okay? He didn't shit out David. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, exactly, that's the takeaway. Honestly. I really, but it is, good to remind that or remind ourselves of that right and you got to push back against the incentives in place or the pressure in place to be like we'll just do more or whatever well, this so- is why this is my anti-tiktok and I'm, and I'm not whatever if you like tiktok or use tiktok then fantastic right but i'm talking about that kind of we're gonna lower the bar now so low now so that you could just spend three seconds making something and, and you do that up. a bunch of times every day. And but you know, like, I don't know, we're about to see the change in, in content and media and industry and like influencer world, which brings me to the next point. And this will be, I guess, the last thought is like being somebody who creates content that basically just 
takes people's minutes. Like I never really talk about this, but you know how I feel about watching content. I actually don't do it often. I like, I'm a podcast listener. Yeah, and listener. I'm actually the same. I don't go on YouTube very often. Because I think about all of the things that I invest time in. And like when you make content, yeah. I'm very aware that people listening to my podcast or whatever watching videos I've made or watching my series, whatever it is, like they're putting time of their life into investing in me that they will never get back. And I don't take that lightly. Yeah. Like if I'm posting something it is gonna have to be of value because you as a consumer will never get that time back yeah i don't know if people reflect on that enough i think it's absolutely i wish that there were more content creators out there that think about this i know there are a lot of people out there that think about this but there's also a lot of people out there that are just like all right let's just Chuck it out there and see what happens. And it's it's addicting. These these videos are addicting and you get pulled into wormholes and then it's yeah. been like an hour. Yeah, it's three second videos, but you've been on TikTok for five hours. Well, this is the reason why I don't use TikTok. And again, if you feel it's valuable to you, then great. I'm, I'm really not trying to be like judgmental about it. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Here. I have binges, but then I stop. I'm like, I, I got to get off. Well, the reason I don't have it at all is because I would, I tried it a couple times. You, you go into like the three hour wormhole. And then you come out of it and I can't even remember what I saw. Like, how am I, you can't possibly make the argument to me that you're learning things because I can't even remember what I just saw. And that's the thing too, also with reels, it's like, I'm not going and I don't even know their names. I'm not going and checking out what they're doing. Unless Um, it's like remarkable. But even then, I think it's just, there's a very ephemeral nature to the consumption that happens in this way. That is exactly the reason why I want to go in the opposite direction. I'd rather go long form, which has its own space. You know, mm-hmm. and, and people value that. And it makes me feel good. I'm going to go in that direction. And I think it's uh, back to the point. Oh, I guess this was our other conversation for my video. But know thyself, right? You, mm-hmm. you need to figure out what's going to make you feel happy, sleep happy at night. and satisfied with what you're doing. Yeah. And so... Constant revision, which is why I love journaling. <laughs> yeah, totally. But really, it's like sitting down with yourself. Because even when you do blow up and you do find that success and you're stable financially, you still have to ask yourself, okay, cool, I checked that off the list, but am I actually happy? Like, is the right. direction that I've gone down the direction I want to keep going in? Right. And for your answer, it's no. It's like it's time to switch gears a little bit. Well, yeah, exactly. I am proud of the things I'm making right now, but I can feel that a new frontier awaits me. It's like I can do... I can surprise myself with what I can make if I am willing to take the leap, you know? How exciting is that? That's really damn exciting. And a great way to segue into the final question. So I ask everybody this, if you were to give somebody advice to take away today to be a not average Joe, what would it be? To be a not average Joe. There's so many ways to answer this. People have given some pretty good answers, huh? Mm -hmm. No pressure, right? You've given a lot of answers during this conversation, but it's like, what do you think has been your secret sauce into this journey of struggle triumph? Well, I think I really think that this is in line with what we talked about earlier. To be your not so average Joe, I think that it's really powerful to not hold anything back. And that's very scary. But I anecdotally saw the power of this with my career and the doors that that opened. Uh, But I think you can see that in a lot of people's lives when they're just like, no backup plan. You know, I'm going to throw myself into this and see what happens and not let fear be the deciding factor. That truly is how very special things can happen in your life. Things that will surprise you. So I think that's my answer. Wow, I'm even inspired. Thanks, Nate. I'm the only person that I, that calls him Nate. It's like weird. You and like Italians and Spanish people. like Nate. Yeah, not. 
Not they call you Nat? It's not me at all. Okay, great. Thanks so much. See you soon, Kate. Right. I love doing this. Maybe do you have repeat guests ever? Or? Yes, I would love to have another conversation about storytelling. I'm down. <sighs> comment, Damn it. Comment, or I guess I don't know. Is this goes out in podcast? Goes, yeah, it's just like uh, send her DMs. Send me a DM and and tell Nate. her to have me back on. Okay, bye. And that is it for the day. A huge, huge, huge thank you to my dear friend Nathaniel. Nate, I'm gonna FaceTime you soon and let you know that this was one of the best episodes, I think. I say that about every episode, because they're all amazing. It's just like, wow, good conversations. That's all I want in my life. Anyways, if you learned something in this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, rate it five stars. Make sure that you're having an above average week because you deserve it. And don't forget to click in the show notes for the video we filmed on Nate's podcast. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.